death has come and taken our loved ones. It leaves our home so lonely and drear. Then do we wonder why others prosper, living so number 50 Amazing how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. 
T'was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved How precious did that grace appear The hour I first believed Through many dangers, toils and snares sing that fourth verse a cappella. when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we know less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Amen. All right. You guys want to sing some more? You want to sing? Sing. Go ahead. Let's go to eight or something. Yeah, let's just keep singing. You guys want to sing a special? I don't. No? So you, when you say sing a special, you mean me singing? <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know we were going to be singing a special, so pray for us, and hopefully... This uh, so bless your heart. I know this this uh, this song here has helped me a bunch because this Bible is the Word of God. It's our strength, and through all of life's troubles, we we you get in this book and it'll help you. That's what Bible time is about: is getting in the Word of God to help us. That's right. And the Bible helps us. We need the Bible. You couldn't go day after day after day without eating, and you can't go day after day and expect your spirit with God to continue strong without being in the Bible. It just won't happen. So we're going to sing this to the best of our ability, and God help us. We might get that up there. It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry And bread when I'm hungry and worn When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword That keeps me from life's troubled storms It's a light to my pathway and a lamp to my feet When this world gets so dark you can't see and I've not made one change in one word that is said, but it sure made a change in me. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand, it's true from beginning to end. 
It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. When I think what it costs just to hold it in my hand, it reminds me that I owe a great debt to all of the martyrs who've gone to the stake and quote it with their dying breath. Now its critics are many and believers are few, but this one thing I've found to be true. If you find when you read it that there's something wrong, then there's something wrong with you. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand, it's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. Let's sing number 38, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. Wake us up a little bit here. 
Number 77. Good singing. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 56. We'll read a little bit, and then Brother Josh will come up and preach a message and pray for him, pray for this service. Pray that God will meet with us as we're doing this. We need to be praying all the time. I'll read a verse. You read a verse. Be merciful, Psalm 56, be merciful unto me, O God. For man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Every day. They rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps. They wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? And thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonders. Put 
When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Josh, you come up and preach for us. Amen. Well, that music helped me. Amen. It helped me a lot. I've been struggling. Wow. That's what we get, Gabe being short. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. All right, pull it back just a little yeah. bit. Thank you. A little more so I can see my Bible. Thank you. Thank you. I might need my notes. Yeah, I was struggling with this message. That's good. Thank you. Um, yeah. I was struggling because I wanted to preach some kind of exciting, fun message, and this one's not. Just fair warning. But um, sometimes the topic we're going to look at today... Have you... Um, just stop it for just a second. I heard that. All right, so welcome back to Bible time. This is Colossians 3.6. We've been studying through the book of Colossians. We just finished Colossians 3.5. Colossians 3.6 says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. For which things sake... The wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today. Lord, we just we need your help desperately, Lord God. We can't understand your word without your help. Lord God, we need you to illuminate our hearts and minds. And Lord God, we need a burden. I need a burden for these souls, Father God. I need to understand the danger, Lord God, that these people are in. Lord, I know you saved me. I don't have any doubt, Lord God, of where I'm going to spend eternity because you saved me. I'm bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed. But Lord God, I, even though I'm saved, there's many that are not, Lord God. You saved me from the wrath to come, but there are many that are not saved, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us, that you'd instruct our hearts, that you'd break our hearts for the lost today. Lord, I wanted to, I wanted to be happy-go-lucky. I wanted to have fun with it. And Lord, we can have some fun, but Lord, I believe this is what you have for us right now. And I pray that you'd give me and give us a receptive heart to the burden for the lost. And that you'd help us, Lord God, to understand the need of the lost and dying world that's around us. Help my voice today, Lord God, to not be a distraction. Bless all those that came in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Alright, so it says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Now this makes no sense without the context. Um, it says in verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Now we ended up taking two lessons to study that verse um, on the podcast there. And that last lesson, um, I just gave it an acronym title, I-A-E-C-C-I. 
That's for inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and and covetousness, which is idolatry. And I'd encourage you to look that up or study out these, these terms for yourself and get a good understanding of what God means when He says these things. And the way to study the Bible is to compare Bible verses to Bible verses. You don't need even a Webster's Dictionary to understand the Bible. It can help you sometimes. Sometimes it'll break you. Sometimes it'll get you going the wrong way. And I know a lot of Bible believers will use the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I do too. It's the best we've got. But, But Noah Webster was a Bible corrector. Noah Webster thought that he could make a better Bible, and he and I don't want to just talk him down. I'm not trying to do that. I thank God for everything that God used him for. I love the biblical definitions. He'll have scripture references in the in that dictionary. But I'm saying this to illustrate for you just what the brother said last night. Let God be true and every man a liar. Noah Webster was embarrassed by certain passages of the Bible, some of which we will look at today. And he felt like, in his words, young ladies should not ever have to blush when hearing the Bible. And that was, that's what he said. So he went through and he edited it because he felt like it was an R-rated book. And it needed to be brought down to a, a general audience's level. So he made an edited Bible. It didn't take. Nobody wanted it. Praise God. Our people at that time in history wanted the Bible. They wanted the Word of God. And I thank God for that. Unfortunately, he fell prey to the same idea that's plaguing our churches today, that we've got to be politically correct. You've got to say everything in these sugar-coated terms so that nobody gets offended. And that's not how God did it, and that's not how we're supposed to do it. Now, he says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Now the book of Colossians is written to these that are saints in verse 2 of chapter 1 and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. And we've mentioned this before, most of the Bible is not written to you unless you are a saint and a faithful brother. If you're out living in sin, if you're out in disobedience to God, outside of God's Word, don't you quote that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me because it doesn't apply to you. That was written to the brethren. That was written to faithful brethren. Go look at the start of Philippians and see what it says there before you read the rest of the book. And so here it's written to the faithful brethren in Christ. Now the faithful brethren are instructed in chapter 3 to mortify their members. They're instructed to um, stay away from fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. They're told to stay out of that stuff. And the motivation for it that's given here is twofold. In chapter 2, he gave us the motivation of Christ, or as chapter 1, the motivation of Christ, who Christ is. Christ is the head to the church. Christ is the Almighty God. Christ is that who he, Him who gave us His body. It says in verse 22 of chapter 1, in the body of His flesh, it says He reconciled us in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblemished blameable and unreprovable in His sight. And that is our Jesus Christ. That's given as the primary motivation. The power to stay holy is given in Colossians 2. As ye have received, verse 6, as ye have received, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And you receive Christ Jesus the Lord by believing God, repenting of your sin, and trusting Him for salvation. And then when you trust Him, He does it from there. You don't get, you don't save yourself and you don't sanctify yourself. 
yourself. Whenever you realize you're not right, you're not living the life that God would have you to live, you're not obedient to the Word of God like I constantly find myself, then what you got to do is believe the Bible that you're wrong, repent of your sin, believe God that in Christ there's power to live a holy life, and ask Him to fill you with the Spirit, cleanse you, purify you. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You get up off your face, even though you're a no good, dirty, rotten sinner like me. I'm not trying to name call. God help me to know how to do this. I am a no good, dirty, rotten sinner. If you're like me, you then you're on your face. Listen, before you sin, Satan, when, when Satan's tempting you to sin, he tells you how good you are. As soon as you sin, he tells you how wicked you are. It's the same thing over and over again. And as soon as you start to get right with God, the devil starts running you down into the ground and reminding you of everything you ever did wrong. And you've got to believe God that in Christ there's forgiveness. In Christ the blood washes you from all your sins. And then you've just got to get up and by faith take the next step forward. And there's no other way to explain it. It's no more and no less than that. And that is the walk of faith. That's the victorious Christian life. As you have received Christ Jesus, your Lord, so walk ye in Him. So He's given us all of those motivations. He's given us the the explanation of the power through Christ. He's told us to avoid all of this legalism in chapter 2 where you make a bunch of rules and regulations to try and keep yourself right with God. It's It's a walk of faith. The just shall live by faith. He tells you to avoid the ways of the world, um, tells you to beware, and then he gets to chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me, and he gives us another motivation. He says to mortify your members, and he gives this list, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, and he gives us this motivation right here. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So we're going to look at this today. We need to understand the wrath of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is where it starts. We need the fear of the Lord so that we will walk straight because as much as love needs to be our primary motivation, there's times whenever we just don't feel it, Michael. There's times when we don't feel like God loves us and we don't feel like we love God. And when we get that low, we need a little bit of Holy Spirit fear of God worked in our hearts that makes us tremble at the thought of sinning against an almighty God. Because there's some times that you just don't feel like throwing up your hands and singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Sometimes you just feel like rock and roll. Sometimes you feel like singing with that jerk hinder out there. There's that flesh coming out. Growling and screaming in anger. Sometimes you feel like um, going and looking at dirty stuff. Sometimes you feel like doing wicked things. And when you don't feel like you love God and you don't feel like God loves you, you need a fear of God deep down inside your heart and soul that will keep you and be a wall to you from sin. The wrath of God. We're going to look at that today. So... We looked at our first part, for which things sake. Let's look at the wrath of God. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 6 real quick. Our brother was in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now we're hopping into Genesis 6. We're just going to preach right through the Bible, Michael. (coughs) Genesis chapter 3. 
And what I just preached to you just now, if I didn't, if I didn't, by God's grace, accept God's forgiveness and get up off my face and say, okay, God, I trust you that you forgave me and you've got power to keep me, I could not stand up here today. Because I have no qualification whatsoever other than the blood of Jesus Christ and the mercy of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all I've got. That's my only hope. If you all knew me like I know me, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. If you knew me like God knows me, you'd agree with Him and say, send Him to hell. So isn't that a wonder that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins? Help us today, Lord, to stay on track. Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can you all hear me out there? I feel like I can't hear anything up here. That's probably just because they're pointed over there. You can hear good? Is it getting out? All right. Thank you, Michael. (coughs) And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy him. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. Skip down here to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And here is the first time that God ever threatened a total global judgment as far as I know in the Bible you can correct me later if I'm wrong on that show me from the Bible so here God threatens a total global judgment now we've got people running around they're afraid the sky's falling they think the temperature's raising they think that the ice caps are going to melt they think that the water's going to be polluted they think that so many people are going to be born that we'll all have to stand shoulder to shoulder and we'll all starve to death and go cannibal and they think all these bad things are happening but they won't believe that God's going to judge the earth isn't that ironic? They won't believe God's judgments are coming, but they believe that man's going to somehow end himself. Because they see the self-destructive nature of man. Right. They see the carelessness and the wickedness of man, and they, but they don't want to confront God. God threatened a total global judgment. And look here in chapter 7 and verse 17. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. In other words, God did what He said. God said He would judge the earth, and God judged the earth, and He judged it by water. Go to verse um, 22. Well, 17, And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the water prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of of life of all that was on the dry land died and every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive they and they that were with him in the ark <coughs> and the waters prevailed upon the earth in 150 days and God remembered Noah 
and every living thing, and all the cattle that was with them in the ark. So God was true to His word, and God did what He said, and because of the sin of man that was exceeding great, and notice He's called out violence specifically, because of the sin of the man, God destroyed the earth. Now, violence is something that even a lot of Christians will give a pass to. They think that, as lo- that it's mainly to watch these movies that are full of violence and killing and bloodshed. I was one of those once, and God convicted me. That's absolutely wrong. God hates violence. God hates bloodshed. God hates it. And if you can sit there and watch people kill each other and enjoy it and eat your popcorn, something's wrong with you like it was with me. Your heart's hard because of the deceitfulness of sin. That stuff should break you. I remember when a, a war movie came out and there was a family that was trying to follow God, but they were compromising and they took another family to the movies with them. And by the way, that's stupid. Don't go to the movies. Amen. It's stupid. It's just stupid. We're moving on. Wicked. It's, it's wickedness there. Nothing but wickedness. Anyway, they took this man, the, this dad, to the movies with them, and he's, he, he really looked up to this family. They were kind of discipling him, so he thought, well, if they're doing it, I can do it. And he went there to the movies, and they watched this movie. And that man, I can't remember if he was actually throwing up, but he was weeping. And he went out in the parking lot weeping, and he grabbed a hold of those, the, that family, some of them, and he, and he yelled at them, and he said, Why did you take me to that? Why did you put that in front of my face? And we ought to have that kind of a tenderness towards the life of people that we wouldn't be able to sit around and watch the trash this world is putting out with all the bloodshed and the gore and the filth. We ought to have that kind of tenderness in our hearts toward human life. I didn't for a long time. And I praise God He's been restoring my heart. God have mercy on me today. Genesis 18. This country is overrun with violence. Violence is the predecessor to a lot of the other sins. The violence in this nation has opened the floodgates of immorality. A lot of the violence that goes on is due to, or a lot of immorality is due to violence. A lot of it happens because of violence, because men are so hardened and callous that they will do and take whatever they want, regardless of the consequences to anybody around them. We'll see a little bit more of that in Genesis 18. Go there in verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. So God went down to Sodom. He sent down two angels. Go to Genesis 19 and verse 12. Now these angels came to Sodom, and the men of Sodom tried to break into the house where they were living, and forcibly violate them. That's the Bible word for no. It says Adam knew his wife and she conceived and brought forth a child. And here it says the men said of these angels, bring forth these men that we may know them. And the perversion that happened in Sodom that was happening in Sodom, God called violence. God judged Sodom for violence. If you look at Ezekiel, he said they had pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Neither did they strengthen the hands of the poor. And then he goes on, they committed abominations before me. Violence, pride, all this wickedness. And guess what the judge of the earth did? Abraham had prayed to him, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Jesus said that the Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I don't even want to preach if you're not going to do it, if you're not in it, Lord God. 
Help me, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lord, have mercy on us, Lord. This is a waste of time if you don't help us, Lord. Help, Lord, for Christ's sake. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Forgive me, Lord, for my carnality, Lord God. Don't let me get in the way of Your Word and Your message, Father. In Jesus' name, have mercy on me. Have mercy on these people, Lord. Have mercy on these houses around us, Lord, these neighborhoods. Have mercy, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Good grief. So Genesis 19, the angels tell the men, or the men say to Lot, these men that are angels, said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Gainesville, look out. Gainesville, you better look out. God is watching and He sees what's going on. San Francisco, you better watch out. New York, you better watch out. Salt Lake City, you better watch out. God sees what's going on. And God's sending His angels. Maybe they're right now walking through our cities. Maybe right now they're walking through our cities. And we've got a bunch of sodomites checking them out and trying to do wicked deeds to them today. We're on the brink of the judgment and the wrath of Almighty God in this nation. They said, bring out your family because God will destroy it. Now these angels had smitten these men with blindness. And in their blind, these men had been smitten blind by angels. And they were groping to get to the door. They were such slaves to sin that even when they were struck with blindness, they couldn't stop. They kept coming like a bunch of zombies after the door. Trying to crawl in there and fulfill the desires of their wicked flesh. Completely worse than animals. Animals know better than the sins that our nation is committing today. Most animals won't kill their babies. And America is slaughtering their babies. Most animals won't commit sodomy. And America is committing sodomy. A lot of animals are even faithful to their spouses. The swan won't even ever have another mate. One mate for life and it's just a bird. Right. And we've got fornication running loose in this land. We have debased ourselves beyond the debasement of animals. And God is going to judge. He told those angels, those angels told Lot, bring them out. Look at verse 15. He said, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now, the, he says here that they couldn't even stay in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. God was ready for something big. And America, God is getting ready for something big in the way of judgment for this land. He said to them, as they, well, they fled there, look at verse 24, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Now we've got a saying in America, that guy's a fire and brimstone preacher. Well, you know, where did that come from? That came from your Bible. 
Amen. That came from the Bible. God is a fire and brimstone God. Amen. And God rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at it here. He says here, And He overthrew those cities and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, that went, and that which grew upon the ground. All these environmentalists out here, Michael, with all their game preserves and everything, God burned all that stuff up. Right. And He's going to do it again. They think they're going to take care of the watersheds. They think they're going to take care of the game preserves. They think they're going to have sustainable ecosystems. And God's going to burn it up. They're looking the wrong way. They're trying to preserve the earth and they should be fleeing from the wrath to come because it's coming. That's right. The wrath is coming. The wrath of Almighty God is filling up. And when it fills up, nothing stops the outpouring of the wrath of God. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. Ask the men of Sodom. Ask them in Gomorrah. Thank you. Help me, Lord. It says He overthrew those cities and all the plain. It says in verse 24, The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He judged with water the first time, and He's judging with fire now. It says He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. You know, your Bible talks about that area as being fertile, as being one of the most fertile growing places on the face of the earth until this time. You can go over by the Dead Sea in Israel and see the results thousands of years later of what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go there today. It sits there today as a reminder today. You can walk down there and kick the brimstone around in the sand because it's still sitting there today. That's right. God means business. God is going to judge this world. God has wrath. The whole book of Lamentations. Go there real quick. We'll just touch a couple verses and move on. I do not want to keep you. don't want to waste your time. God help us today. Lamentations, right after Jeremiah, if you're wondering where it's at, like me. Lamentations, it says in chapter 2 and verse 3, He hath cut off in His fierce anger all the horn of Israel. He hath cut off in His fierce anger all the horn of Israel. God is angry today. God is angry today. God is angry because of the sin. God is angry because of the fornication, because of the uncleanness, because of the inordinate affection, because of the evil concupiscence, because of the covetousness, which is idolatry. God is angry today. 2 Peter 2.3, quickly. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. The Bible says that there will be false prophets among the people, false teachers bringing in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. Look at what the Word of God says here. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. Do you hear that? 
Do you, all you angel worshipers out there, do you hear that? For if God spared not the angels that sinned. What's that show came out on TV, The Unseen Angels? You remember anything about that? Man, that was popular in the 90s. They're still doing reruns of it. They've got some big old lady up there. They've got a couple. They've got this black lady and a white lady up there, and they're supposed to be angels. They run around doing good deeds. Nobody knows they're angels, and they're a bunch of humanists. They don't believe the Bible. And there's, I've met people that they believe that stuff more than they believe the Bible. God says here, God spared not the angels that sinned. We've got whole religions following angels. God judged the angels, cast them down to hell, delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And then he goes on. He talked about the angels. Now Peter's going to get into Noah and the ark. That's what we just read about. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. God spared not the old world, but saved Noah. A preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Gainesville, you are vexing Christians. Gainesville, you are vexing God's people. Gainesville, you are in sin today. Gainesville, you are calling evil good and good evil. Repent, for the wrath of God is about to be poured out upon this nation and upon this land. America, turn or you will burn. God means business today. I don't like this message. I don't like preaching this message, but it's true. Preach. 2 Peter 2, we looked at 4 through 13. The, let's see here. I'm sorry. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. Revelation 6 12. So we've seen the wrath of God against the, earth, the first world that he destroyed with a flood. We've seen the wrath of God against Sodom and Gomorrah, which he overthrew with fire and brimstone. We looked at the wrath of God briefly. We just touched on it. All of the prophets deal with the wrath of God against Israel. Their women ate their own children by the time God was done with them. America's already doing it. The wrath of God was poured out on Israel. You can read about it in book after book after book. The wrath of God is a serious thing. It's a real thing. It's every bit as real as the love of God. If you claim you believe in the love of God, then you're a liar if you don't believe in the, in the wrath of God. Right. You cannot have one without the other. Revelation 6 and verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. This is Jesus Christ himself opening this seal. This is Jesus Christ, the one who healed the sick, the one who raised the dead, the one who preached forgiveness. And here he's opening a seal of judgment on the earth in the book of Revelation, the end times, what some people call the apocalypse. And here Jesus Christ himself, check the context. opens the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Haggy, you missed it. That wasn't what what we saw. We haven't seen this yet, people. 
The sun became a sackcloth of air. This ain't no eclipse. This is a real and permanent condition that God is going to inflict upon this place. The moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places." We have not seen anything yet. All these liberals, they're afraid that the ice caps are going to melt and the water's going to come up. God says, no, I'm going to shake this whole thing down into it. We have not seen the earthquake that's going to shake this world whenever the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ Himself, opens the sixth seal of of these seals and begins to pour out His wrath upon this place. It says, The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Biden, if you're alive that day, you're going to be crawling up in a hole. You're going to be hiding in a rock and all your CIA agents with you. Kamala Harris, you're going to be hiding from God that day if you're still alive. You're going to be hiding from God. Nancy Pelosi, you're going to hide from God someday, but it's not going to do you any good. Look at what these people said, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. From the wrath of the Lamb! How many of you have seen a little lamb? Those don't look very scary. This lamb's going to be scary. Amos said, The lion hath roared. Who can but prophesy? He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. It says in verse 17, For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Donald Trump's not going to stand that day. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you've got, how powerful you are. You'll be hiding in the rocks if you're still here when that day of the wrath of the Lamb comes. Go to Revelation 11. We're moving along. We're trying to get done here. I think we're past halfway. We'll see. Amen. Revelation 11. It's just street preaching in a tent. Revelation 11, 18. Let's just start in 17. Let's turn 16. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, O Lord God Almighty. They're talking to Jesus. They called him, O Lord God Almighty. Jesus is God. They said, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast, and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. Thy wrath is come. Look at the contrast here. The nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. Nations get angry, and they roll out the tanks, and they send the bombers, and they drop the napalm, and they shoot their guns. But whenever God gets angry, the whole world turns flat. Right. God help me to preach this right today. He says here, Thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. God is going to destroy. To destroy. Oh, Lord, get this message out, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God. We're just your servants. 
We're nothing special. We ask You to use this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now here in Revelation 14, God sent an angel to preach the gospel. Boy, that's different. All these angel worshipers are going to love that one, aren't they? Oh, they think they worship their little angels. And here comes an angel, and guess what he's doing? He's preaching. I love that message Ronnie Simpson preached. What was it, nine things you'll hate in heaven? And if you're online you haven't heard that, look it up at that camp meeting at Liberty Faith Church. Look it up, read it. Nine things you'll hate in heaven. He was dead on. So here's an angel preaching the everlasting gospel unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And listen to his message. Saying with a loud voice, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. His judgment is come. Look at 15 verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Don't you tell me you believe God if you don't believe in the wrath of God. Don't you tell me you believe in Jesus if you don't believe in the judgment of God. You're lying to yourself. And you're lying to everybody around you. Joel Osteen, you're a liar. I love you enough to tell you you're a liar. You have lied to this nation and their blood is on your hands. You have a voice, Joel. People listen to you, Joel Osteen. He's never going to listen to this. Don't think I think he's going to listen. He's not going to listen to it. Maybe somebody will listen and listens to him. But you got a voice, Joel, and you won't use it. That guy asked him on TV, do people go to hell if they don't believe Jesus? He would not answer him. Would not answer him on national TV. Would not give him an answer. So you're telling me, Joel, that that people that don't believe in Jesus, they're going to go to a devil's hell for eternity? And old Joel shifted his weight. Old Joel squirmed and squiggled. And that man would not let him off the hook on that late night show. He kept asking him. And old Joel just kept squirming. And finally he said, well, I wouldn't exactly say that. Well, then you ain't got nothing to say. He quit his ministry, by the way, to go sell health food. He said he could do a whole lot more good because it's a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme and he's getting filthy rich off of it. And guess what? He's right. He's doing a whole lot more good selling a bunch of fake health food than he ever did selling a fake gospel. And I've got nothing against him. But I've got everything against what he preached. Because he lied to this nation. And God's going to judge him unless he repents. Chapter 16. And you say, you're just jealous of old Joel. Are you kidding me? I don't want to go to hell. And that's where he's going, people. False prophets go to hell. People that preach a false gospel go to hell. That's what the Bible says. Read your Bible. If he repents, God will save him. He says in verse 4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are manifest. Thy judgments are manifest. 
chapter 16 and verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Pour out your vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. We don't have time to go over all these. You look it up. Get an authorized version Bible and get out Revelation chapter 16 and read it. Because let me tell you something. The wrath of God on earth is only a fraction. It's only a foretaste. Only a foreshadow of the eternal damnation of hell. It's just a taste, Michael. When these people go to hell for their sins, they're going to wish they could go back and go through the great tribulation again. God Almighty, have mercy on us. Help us to believe Your Word. Here went the first angel, poured out his vial, and it says God hit him with a grievous sore. I don't know what that means. It means what it says. It hurt. Second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. The, the sea. The sea became as the blood of a dead man. All you whale watchers out there. Whale worshippers, all you save the, save the dolphins, they're going to die. Look what it says. It says every man in the sea died, every living soul. Dolphins don't have that. But all those, all those animals of the water died. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast, and shalt be. Now who's he talking to again? Jesus is he that was, and that is, and that shall be. Jesus introduces himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was, the one that is, and the one that shall be. They're talking to Jesus Christ. The Jesus you see on the TV is not the Jesus of the Bible. Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. We know there's no water in hell. I, I I don't want to speculate, but look what he gave them to drink there. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say He's going to let them even drink blood in hell. But if there is anything to drink, that'd be it. And I'm not saying there is. I don't want to speculate. Lord, have mercy on me here. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And the Bible says that they were scorched with great heat. It says they repented not to give him glory. This repentance is all through the Bible. All through the Bible. They repented not to give him glory. And repented not of their deeds, it says in verse um, 11. They, it says that God struck the earth with darkness and their kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. If it's hurting your ears, feel free to move back. If it's too loud, I'm sorry. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And listen to this. This is God's sixth vial of wrath. This is what God's wrath does. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So the sixth vial of God's wrath, God turns loose a bunch of miracle-working false prophets, spirit devils on this earth. 
We've already got a lot of the little ones running around. These three are worse than all the ones we've got, and we've got some bad ones. With all this um, prosperity preaching, all these false prophets running around, listen to me, you watch those prophets on TV, those the Copeland bunch, the Hen bunch, Benny Hen, all that junk, these guys are false prophets. They have spirits of devils. They work miracles by the power of Satan. They're not doing miracles by the power of God. You say, how do you know that? By their fruit. That's what Jesus said. You shall know them by their fruit. He said, Jesus said here, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he be naked, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Verse 17, there came forth a voice, it is done. There were voices, thunders, lightnings, a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. The cities of the nations fell. Kyrgyzstan. Who knows where Kyrgyzstan is? Yeah, that's what I thought. Turkmenistan. Anybody know that one? Who knows where Ashgabat? Is that the right name, Ashgabat? We got a couple geography heads that do. We've been studying it lately, but and there's a whole bunch more like it out there. All there's a whole bunch of these cities out there, um, Mongolia, and then sweeping across southern Russia and on down into India, all through there from Pakistan to Mongolia. There are all these nations back in there that have been third world nomadic countries for a long time. I recently saw some pictures of them. And guess what? They've got skyscrapers. They've got cell phones. They've got cars. They've got internet. And blow your mind. Look at what the Bible says there. The cities of the nations fell in this earthquake. Who remembers the World Trade Centers? 6,000 people died when two skyscrapers fell. Now imagine New York City laying flat. Amen. San Francisco, flat. The cities of the nations fell. Chicago, flat. The Sears Tower, flat. The Space Needle out there in Washington State, flat. The cities of the nations fell. This is the judgment and the wrath of God and it's coming. God doesn't need all our fancy buildings. He's going to wipe them out. And imagine the death and the bloodshed in those days. This is the wrath of God. It says here, it says... And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. I can't remember what a talent weighed. Who knows? Anybody? We don't have to look it up right now. Look it up sometime and look. If I remember right, it's close to 80 pounds. You can look it up for yourself. Imagine hailstones, 80 pounds in weight. And look at the response of the wicked. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. I wasn't intending to go this way. I'm going to chase this rabbit just a second. Don't expect these people to say thank you when we show up and tell them about the gospel. Look at how they respond to God. The servant is not above his master. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We've still got to try. Because the wrath of God is exceeding great. And it's coming. Go to Revelation 20. We are almost done. Lord, I hope you'll use this in spite of us, in spite of me, Lord, in Jesus' name. So Revelation 19 actually brings in Jesus Christ coming visibly back to the earth, and He is coming. Recently they came out with a movie, and it was an end-time apocalypse spoof. 
uh, liberals out in Hollywood put it out. And at the end, they have Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse. I almost hate to even say it, but I'm going to say it. They have Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse in the sky, and it's some kind of unicorn thing with fancy shimmering light. And there's a bunch of blasphemers spewing profanity down at the base of this mountain in Israel, looking up at what's supposed to be Jesus Christ. They've got some kind of long-haired, hippie, sodomite Jesus up there on this horse. And these guys say, hey, what, what is that? That's scary. And they grab a big ray gun and shoot him and kill him. And they, and they roll credits. End of movie. That's the world we're in right now, folks. Yep. The world we're in is ready to try to kill Christ. That's what they're going to do. That's what they think they can do. They killed him once. They just forgot he let them. When he comes back the next time, he ain't going to let him. Look at how he comes back. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. <coughs> on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. By the way, that vesture is not the blood of Christ that he's wearing. That vesture dipped in blood. Read the prophets. He says, Who is this that cometh from Eden with garments dyed red as he that treadeth the winepress? It is I, he says. It is I that come. I have come. I will do it alone. I and no other. I'm butchering it up. You go look it up. And he says, I will tread the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God alone. And he speaks of the blood coming out of the winepress under the horse's bridles. The vesture dipped with blood in this passage is not the blood of redemption. It's the blood of his enemies. He's going to come back covered in the blood of his enemies. The old heroes of old. You read about old William Wallace in Scotland with his six foot broadsword. And he'd go out there trying to free Scotland from the Brits. And he'd swing that sword and he'd cut through shields and helmets and chest pieces. And he'd cut through two and three men with one swing and their armor and their shields. The British didn't know what to do with them. They couldn't stop him. He just mowed through them like they weren't even there. And they say of William Wallace that when he'd come out of a battle, he would be covered from head to toe in the blood of his enemies. His hair would be matted together with red blood of the dead men that he had slain in that battle. And let me tell you something, that'd be a fearsome sight. How would you like to be standing there, little British man, with your little short sword, and here comes a mad blue-painted Scotsman with a six-foot broadsword, and he's soaked with blood of your friends. And his face looks like hell because he's so mad. Anybody here going to volunteer? You want to take him on? I'd run. I'd run. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back and He's angry. Jesus is coming back and He's full of wrath. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He was buried. He rose again the third day to save you from your sins. But if you will not repent, He's going to come back as a warrior. And it will be your blood that will be spilled. He's clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and His name is called the Word of God. cross service that to John 1. And the armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses clothed in fine linen. That's me, Brother Michael. That's me, Brother Gabe. That's us. People say, you really believe you're going to have a horse? Yeah. yeah. It's the only horse I'm ever going to really enjoy too. <clears throat> you think your horse is going to come back through heaven? Yeah. I do, because the Bible says so. Right. You can laugh at it all you want. You won't be laughing when it happens. That's right. When heaven's cavalry splits the sky open. 
and comes down out of glory to judge the earth with Christ. But by the way, we're not going to be swinging swords. There's a sword that proceeds out of His mouth. And with it, with one word, Jesus Christ will destroy His enemies. Every one of them. So what are we there for? Just to cheer? Just to say, Hosanna! Just to say, Hallelujah! To the Lamb that was slain! There was a battle in Scotland. Lord, help me to not run too many rabbits. I think this is right. There was a battle in Scotland. And they thought they were going to win. They had a queen who was very brave. And the British had beaten her, stripped her down naked in front of their soldiers and beaten their queen in Scotland. And they said, the Scots said, this ain't going to happen. We're done. We are done. And all those tribesmen gathered. And they went out to fight the British. But the British were disciplined and the Scots were not. Very undisciplined. And the Scottish had the British outnumbered. And they thought they had a victory. So all the women and children gathered behind the battle. Up on the hilltop where the Scotsmen were painting themselves and preparing for the battle. And that battle started that day and those Scotch soldiers ran down the hill and attacked the English troops. And for hours they tried to break the English ranks and couldn't do it. This was before William Wallace came on the scene and was able to break the ranks. Hours went by. And finally, the weary Scotsmen, were, their ranks were broken by the English who pushed forward and attacked them. The cavalry rushed in on horses. The light soldiers ran in amongst the Scotsmen as they fled. And the women and children were on the hill watching. And the English butchered them. You don't know why the Scots hated the English. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You don't bring your family, you don't bring your bride, Michael, to a war if you're going to lose. Right. You see where we're going? Yep. Amen. You see where we're going, Gabe? You don't bring your bride to a battle you have any chance of losing. Right. You keep your, bridal ba- your bride back in the castle. Right? right? And you leave some troops with her to take care of her. Because you don't want anything happening to your bride. The church of Jesus Christ, the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are His bride. We are the bride of Christ. This world thinks we're nothing. This world scorns and mocks, but we're the bride of Christ. And when we come back from glory after that great wedding feast up there in glory, after the rapture of the church that I believe in, because the Bible says it, and we come back from glory riding through the universe on white horses I don't care if you think it's loony I believe it because the Bible says it and when we come back we're going to be riding behind Christ and we're going to be riding into battle clothed in white garments and that's a battle that Jesus Christ is not going to lose there's no chance that Christ can lose that battle It's already sealed. It's already settled. And with the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy his enemies. And by the way, we're not going to cry for them then. You're going to cry for the lost. You better do it now. We won't be crying then. This is your one chance to reach these lost folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You get one shot. And for the rest of eternity, we will reign with Christ. We will glorify Christ. It won't be hot anymore. We won't be hungry anymore. We won't hurt anymore. We've got one time. One time. This time. Right now. One little short life. That's all we've got. And when it's done, all these lost people that you leave behind when you die will go into an eternity with or without being warned. And you will never warn them again. And you'll never cry for them again after God wipes away your tears. Because God is just and God is holy. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that Your will would be done with this. 
We thank you for your word tonight. Diana, can you come play something on the piano? I'm not going to ask you to be saved today. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. Most of us here have a profession of faith. You know what you need to do. What I am going to ask you to do is to pray for the lost. So what we're going to do here, you can pray where you're at. You can come up and use the altars if you want, whatever you want to do. We're going to play some music. We're just going to have a time of prayer. We're going to go ahead and close down the podcast in just a moment here. I want you on the podcast to pray as well. This is what I suggest. If you don't have a list, get grab a piece of paper and a pen. I've got paper up here. If you need it, you can borrow my pen. And write down the names of everybody that you immediately know that is that are lost. If you don't already have a prayer list, write down their names. And then pray over them specifically. And then take it with you. And continue to pray over them. I'm not going to ask you to make a commitment. I'm going to pray through this whole list every single day. Um, a lot of times our commitments and our vows are just ammunition for the devil because we can't keep our word. I haven't kept a single vow I've made to God perfectly. But I do want to ask you to just make a list right now. While you're at it, I also would ask you to pray for Gainesville. But let's, um, we're going to pray for Gainesville, Florida where we're having these meetings. We're going to pray for this nation of America. We're going to pray for the world. And if you're listening online, I'd ask you to do this in your own home. Do this if you're saved. Do this if you're not saved. You know how to get saved. We've preached it before. You can go back and listen to other other messages. Listen to the message from Michael Kime last night. It's on Sermon Audio. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Thank you for being with us. We'll shut off the podcast now.